Welcome to this Food Thing podcast. This is the place where we talk about our relationship with food, whether it is friend or foe, easy or less so, and how it affects our behavior. Here's today's episode. Welcome back to this Food Thing podcast. I'm delighted to be joined today by Lizzie Ackerley. Lizzie is a personal trainer, a yogi, a nutrition coach, runner, and lover of all things outdoors. When she was younger, Lizzie developed bulimia and later binge eating disorder. Now fully recovered, she describes these experiences as tantamount, not only in helping her navigate the various expectations her professional life has placed upon her appearance, but also, and especially when working with clients. Lizzie, welcome to this Food Thing podcast. Thank you. It's lovely to see you. I'm just checking that we're recording here, so we had to do that again. Um, so, yes, what would I like to ask? I just... No, I normally dive into like food friend or foe. Um, so let's do that. Mm-hmm. How would you describe your relationship with food? Would you describe it as friend or foe? I think it's definitely friend now. Um, it's for sure been in the foe category in the past, but I'm friends with it now. <laughs> so tell me about the foe bit and then we can move on to happier times. Well, I think when food was foe the first time round when I was a teenager, uh, was when I had bulimia. Okay. Um, and it kind of became faux completely by accident. What happened? I think looking back now, when I first sort of developed that eating disorder, I, a little bit of it was sort of, it was kind of cool when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would get contradicting views on people giving me their opinions on how I looked. And I remember distinctly a couple of comments from boys that I went to school with and being very confused about one meaning one thing and one meaning the other and thinking, well, how am I supposed to look? And then I realised that if I puked back up what I was eating, essentially, then I got a bit skinnier and I felt like I had control over it then. So how old were you? Very young. Um, 15, 14. And were your peers doing the same thing? I think a couple of them were, yeah. Um, I think a lot of them alluded to having those sort of issues because it was dramatic and fun and cool. Really? Mm. When was this? Uh, when I was a teenager. No, I mean, year-wise. Year-wise? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Uh, ooh. So I'm 33 now. It's when I was about 15. Okay. So I'm thinking about who your role models were. Who, who did you... Who did you talk about media-wise and who were you influenced by? Because it's interesting that you say it was cool and fun. Do you know what's really funny? When I look back, I don't really think about us being influenced, really, by any other, by any sort of celebrities or anything. But you were by the boys. Uh, yeah, so the, the the comments that the boys passed definitely hit home with me. Um can you, I, can you say what they said? Yeah, no, of course. So I remember one boy looking at me one day and he said, Lizzie, do your legs ever meet at the top? And I was like, well, that's a weird comment. And that was the first time I ever realised that people were looking at my body and having an opinion wow. on it. Wow. Um, and then there were a couple of the other boys that said, oh, maybe you should take up running, Lizzie. Oh. Yeah. And they were boys that I was really good friends with and we would joke and jibe and kind of banter in inverted commas um but so they didn't think that that would affect me the way that it did clearly but it did so you receive that comment Mm -hmm. and then how did you get to the place of starting to be bulimic 
I can't even remember what the first decision was. I think I just decided one day that I didn't want the feeling of that food in my stomach anymore. So you don't remember seeing anything, reading anything? Mm -mm. No, I was just like, I don't want this in my stomach. Okay. And just decided to bring it back up. Because you felt full or yeah, unclean? Yeah, I didn't or... like... I didn't like the feeling of feeling full and like heavy and I still to this day don't like the feeling of being really full. Um, but it, yeah, it just, I just didn't want it in my body anymore. I felt like I wanted it gone. And what did you feel like once it was gone? Sense of relief, okay. definitely. I never really got, when I was bulimic, I never really got the shame afterwards of making myself sick that I think a lot of people get. Right. It just felt like, oh, that's a relief. And then would you think, I'm not going to do it again? Or would you think, next time, it'd it, be the same? Or? It was so, um, what's the word? If the, um, it's the word insidious that I'm looking for, the way mm -hmm. it crept in. Yeah. Um, it didn't even occur to me that it was a weird thing to do. Okay. I didn't... Um, Did anyone else know about it? Did you share it with anyone? No, nobody. No I one. once told one of my girlfriends from school, I was like is it weird that I've been making myself sick? And she was like, all she said to me was, next time you think about doing it, just get up and dance around your room instead. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Did you? Uh, no. <laughs> of course you didn't. <laughs> if only it were that simple. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, when, okay, so it was insidious. Mm. Um, so I'm imagining that you found that you were unable to stop for a while? Yeah, for quite a while. And it kind of uh, stuck with me on and off for a very long time. I didn't really stop properly until I got to university. Okay, so 15 to 18. And then you stopped at uni? Probably 19-ish, yeah. yeah. Yeah, when I was at uni. Um, how do you think it helped you in those intervening years when you were bulimic? How do I think being bulimic helped how me? How do you think it helped you, yeah. Um, I think that it gave me a sense of uh, autonomy and control over my own time, body, self in general. Okay. Mm. Did you did you feel overwhelmed then by life, or the changes in your body, or the response people had? Because you did some modelling, didn't you? I did. Is that tied up with it? Yeah. So I didn't start modelling actually until quite late, until I was in my early twenties. Okay. Mm. Um. I I think that where I grew up, in the town I grew up, I had a lovely, lovely upbringing. It was a gorgeous little countryside town. Mm -hmm. But I never really felt as though I fitted in there. Okay. Um, I remember people, like I'd see on TV and movies, people going crazy about all these really amazing friends that they had and all that kind of stuff. And I had friends that I liked and that I got on with. Mm. But I didn't really understand what the big deal of it was. Okay. But then when I went to university, I met sort of a tribe of people that tribe. I really clicked with. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, this is what everyone's talking about. This is all the fun. Um, and it sort of made sense. So, I mean, I guess that had probably a lot to do with it. Ah, because you felt accepted. Mm. Yep. Yeah. And you were getting the friendship that you wanted back. Exactly. So what was food like at home? Uh, lovely. My mum's great at cooking. <laughs> but what are the, what's your, your mum and dad? Yeah, so my dad... Totally fine, normal with food. My mum was, I mean, he doesn't, he didn't cook. Okay. Um, my mum did all of the cooking and everything. My mum was a typical 80s girl in the way that she viewed food. 
Which is not eat very much. Not eat very much. Fat is the absolute enemy. Yeah. She would kickstart diets by not eating for a day. Do, I remember her doing step aerobics in the living room. Okay. Um, all that sort of stuff. Which is, there's nothing wrong with doing step aerobics in no, the living room, but there nothing. must have been some subliminal messages that you picked up. Yeah, I mean, there were probably more than subliminal, <laughs> to be honest. Okay, on she banners. Was, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, and actually, there was one thing that my mum said to me when I was, yeah, again, 14 or 15. I joked, we had this huge dairy milk bar in the fridge, mm-hmm. and I pulled it out of the fridge, and I joked and said, oh, I'm just going to sit here on the floor and eat all of it. And my mum looked at me out the side of her eye, and she went, are you sure that's a good idea? Wow. Um, Which is the same time you got the comments from the boys. Yeah, Exactly. That's enough, isn't it? Oh, absolutely, yeah. For a teenage girl to go, why is everybody suddenly commenting on how I look? Did you... um, We'll get off the bulimia in a minute, but I'm just fascinated (laughs) by how other people handle it. It's And I I find it hard to talk about still, which I've mentioned before, so Mm. I'm sorry that I'm probing. No, not at all. Did you... Did you get sick from being bulimic? No, that was the thing. I think I was the sort of person that had the eating disorder, Mm. but you would never have told from looking at me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, But also you had... Do I want to say anything else about your home? No, let's move on. But Mm -hmm. also, okay, so you're at uni Mm -hmm. and you've got a new group of friends and you're Mm -hmm. feeling accepted and you start to model? Uh, So, again, that was... I actually didn't start that till just after I left uni. Sorry. So it was a bit after. Okay. And when you did that, did mm-hmm. you have an increasing awareness of your body and how did that feel? Funnily enough, I felt great. Did you? About you the way empowered. I looked in that point in my life. Yeah, really yeah. good. Um, it gave me the ability to, when I was shooting, not really associate myself with how I looked because I knew that all the people around me were there to make their clothes look good the jewellery looked good, the hairstyle they put on me looked good, and it wasn't really about me. Okay. It was about whatever they were trying to sell. So in that way, it was quite good. I think it highlighted to me how rife body issues are in other girls because I'd be standing in the queue for castings and stuff and listening to what other girls were saying to each other about the way they looked and just be shocked like there was I remember once there was a she's probably about 16 or 17 year old girl in the queue in front of me Mm -hmm. and she was talking about how she'd just got back from Paris Fashion Week on castings Mm. and she said but the casting agent said I needed to lose at least an inch off my thighs and I looked at her and I thought your thighs are the same width as like your upper arms wow (laughs) Wow. and for that was one of the first pennies that dropped where I thought like I don't think I want to be involved in that Okay, so how long did you model for? Oh, a couple of years, two, three years Okay, but that's enough. I'm interested in though, because having felt vulnerable about your body Mm. from the comments from your mum and the boys, Mm. and then being bulimic, which was a secret, Mm. and then you stop, and then you go and model and you feel empowered, and Mm. everyone's looking at you, and it's a critical look, isn't it? Yeah. Um, And I think you've got to be resilient to handle that gaze and it often well it, I know it's a female gaze but it often comes from men as well I'm just wondering well it sounds like you absented yourself Massively. it sounds like you just sort of chose that this is my role I'm here to kind of serve other people yeah so you weren't there on, on, on in a such a personal kind of a way exactly that yeah. is it exactly that mm-hmm. 
Yeah. It's sort of a little bit... Um, I remember describing it to my friends at the time, and it's a little bit like feeling like cattle at a market. Yeah. Um, that's how I felt about it anyway, because you kind of get shipped in somewhere to do a job, and then they prod and poke, and you can have a laugh with the people there. But again, it's not you in front of the camera, really. Right. It's whatever they're trying to create. Okay. Okay. So that meant that you escaped mm-hmm. unscathed. Mm-hmm. What about the um, what about your binge eating disorder? When did that? Now, for me, up? actually, the binge eat- eating disorder was a lot more painful. Okay. Than having bulimia. Do you know this is the first time I think that I've done an interview where mm. we've just dived right in mm. and talked particularly and specifically about bulimia and now binge eating disorder mm. um which i think is really helpful yes tell me about that yeah so um my mum passed away when i was 24 oh i'm so sorry um thank you yeah it was a it was a pretty rough time yeah um and i didn't know which way was up mm. for a very long time and i didn't have this sounds a bit crazy but I didn't have any idea how I felt really sure um for quite a long time and my way of dealing with uh I had quite bad anxiety so I developed really bad social anxiety right health anxiety out of nowhere really it just kind of cropped up and I was terrified of all sorts of things um and my way of dealing with that and quelling the shaky sort of almost manic feeling that I got from it was I don't know what to do, so I just shoved food in my face. Oh, wow. Um, And I, again, didn't realise that that was veering into another eating disorder. Um, But that sounds like grief as well. Oh, massive, yeah. There's a huge part of it, for sure. Um, And for ages, I didn't realise that that's what it was. And I thought, oh, I just need to be more... um, have more willpower around food. I'm a trainer. I'm a coach. I know how this works. Just eat the right foods and put down the stuff that isn't the right food. But that just doesn't work. Logic doesn't work when you're in that headset at all. Um, so in the end, I had to find myself a couple of coaches that helped me work through it. Okay, going to take a quick break. Mm-hmm. Welcome back to this Food Thing podcast. I'm here with Lizzie Ackerley. And we're just talking about when Lizzie's mum died and she got very anxious and started to overeat and stuff yourself with food. Mm-hmm. I'm very curious as to why you didn't throw it up. No idea. Isn't that weird? Yep, no idea. Considering that was your benchmark. Yeah, I think that um, a lot of it when it first started was the feeling heavy and the weighed down feeling took away the anxious feeling. Because it grounded you. Yeah, it took away the flighty, shaky, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Mm. Which can often happen if you have like a, I don't know, a healing session or something or... Do some some work like that. Yeah. You kind of will need to ground yourself afterwards, and food's a very easy way to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, did you have any conflicting feelings around overeating? Were you disgusted by yourself? Massively, yeah. Were you? Yeah, yeah. Because I you, felt your body changed, awful. or because you felt you were letting yourself down. Both. First, I felt I was letting myself down, and then obviously with time. I mean, I was always very active, so I think I could have put on a lot more weight than I did. Um, But, yeah, I put on weight and I didn't recognise myself in the mirror and the feelings of shame, self-loathing. Oh, yeah, 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 in a big way. Mm. Because of the lack of control? Yeah, 
Interesting. Mm. Did you do that every day, overeat? Not every day. I think at its worst, it was probably three or four days a week. Okay. Mm. And how long did that go on for? Hmm, how long did that go on for? Probably a good few years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I didn't get it under control and go and work with the right professionals until we were in lockdown. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Lizzie, I'm mm. surprised. So it really stuck around for a long time. Okay. Mm. How would you manage it? Because I know that you live with your partner. Mm-hmm. Did you manage it in secret? How did you... Ma- yeah, so uh, the nature of our jobs is that often he's working and I'm not, or I'm working and he's not. Um, so there was lots of time wow. for me to be just eating in secret, feeling awful about myself. And then that's so difficult, isn't it, to have an intimate relationship? Mm. Because... Well, it put a lot of strain on our relationship. Okay, can I you think. talk a bit more about that? Yeah, sure. I mean, he was, it was, is, um, incredibly patient um, and understanding and just wants to understand and get his head around the various, oh. the various demons. Um, but it put a lot of strain on relationship because it just made me not a very nice version of me. Yeah. I think when I feel shame and self-loathing and disgusted with myself, it makes me put up, put up this really solid wall around me mm-hmm. and it's kind of a spiky wall <laughs> okay sure yeah um so i was hard to live with i think so he sensed that something was wrong but wasn't quite sure yeah he knew there was something going on he didn't know how much he should probe um i think the other thing is that i'm just one of those people that when there's something going wrong i will put all of the things that i have to do in my day that other people depend on me for well ahead Okay. Of what I'm feeling. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so it's another defence, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. So, again, to the outside world, it wouldn't have looked anything like I had the eating disorder that I did. Um, it's hard work, isn't it, carrying a secret? Oh, yeah. You feel heavy. Mm-hmm. Do you think you were still grieving, though? The heaviness weighing you down, keeping you grounded, yeah. now you're back to life, you're busy. Do you think that was still going on? Yeah, definitely. I mean, to be honest, I think that... I've actually kind of discovered very, very recently in the last few days that I still am grieving. Yeah. Um, and there is some sort of PTSD-type symptoms to work through from that. And this is just the next layer of all of these things to peel off and work through. Wow. Mm. Wow. So you said you met a couple of coaches. Yes. Yeah, they you were great. coaches, not therapists. Coaches, yeah. And... So what happened? Did you just go, I can't do this anymore, I'm exhausted? Absolutely, yeah. And you so, had a... Yeah, so I'd been following one of them on Instagram for a little while because she's an incredible personal trainer, yeah, nutritionist, yeah. Um, just really great at what she does. And her husband is a, I believe he's a psychologist. He works a lot with NLP, which mm-hmm. is neuro-linguistic programming. Yeah. And together they have this specialised business and a specialised intensive course where they work specifically with women who are who have eating who have binge eating disorder. So who are they? Uh, Rachel and David Godfrey. Okay. Yeah. So um, everyone knows now. Rachel yes, and David they're Godfrey great on Instagram. I okay. cannot recommend them highly okay. enough. They changed my life. <laughs> wow. Okay. So we'll yeah. link to them. Yeah. For this absolutely. Episode. For sure. Yeah. So you're so you're following them on Instagram mm-hmm. and. Do you have this moment or did you have this conversation with your 
partner or no I had this moment on my own and uh-huh. I reached out to them and I had a call with David um and I was like I couldn't really afford to do it at the time but I was like sod it I'm not living like this anymore yeah I'm doing it I'm changing it uh-huh so I did wow and yeah just fixed me right up <laughs> but it sounds very quick I mean lockdown was what two mm-hmm. two and a bit years ago is yeah. it now can't remember where we are 2022 yeah um Okay, so obviously you, you were ripe for it. Yes. And you had was, enough. Yeah, I was so ready. I was really done with feeling the way that I felt um, and really done. I felt like I was, I was really misrepresenting myself in the world. Right. Because it felt like I knew who I was mm-hmm. as a person. But then there was this other thing that was also part of me that was a, not allowing me to be really who I am in the world. And also because of your work, you must have felt quite inauthentic. Oh, God, it was awful. I hated it. Because I kind of thought as well, like, I can explain to my clients exactly what they should be doing with food and how to navigate this and how to navigate that. So why can't I just apply it to myself? Yeah. And I found it so... Right? I found it so frustrating. Okay. Mm. So did you... What did you do? Did you do like a... So you did this course with them? Yep. What do I mean? What did you do? Mm -hmm. Is it possible to say the one thing that just clicked you? One thing that just clicked me? Mm. I think that the way it works is you have to start appreciating yourself first. Okay, but that's quite hard. That's normally quite a, can be quite a long process. Really, really hard. Yeah. Mm. Um, But there's just the way the course worked, the way they put it all together Mm -hmm. worked for me. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it's sort of things where the, you, you have homework, right? So you do these um, kind of practices of things every single day. And it might be um, repeating phrases to yourself in the mirror, mm-hmm. setting a timer for however long, many sort of intervals during the day to repeat things to yourself and just check how you're feeling and correct how you're feeling if it's not how you really want to feel in that moment. Okay. All that sort of stuff. As far as eating goes, Mm -hmm. before you did the course, when you were binging, Mm -hmm. would you plan, uh, I don't know, let's say you're having dinner, you're having dinner on your own, you're on your own in your house, Mm -hmm. and you you plan to have dinner, Mm -hmm. and you start off eating in your terms well, Mm -hmm. and then would you just think, oh, just have a bit more, I'll just have a bit more. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you wouldn't sit down and go, I'm going to binge. No. You'd start to eat, and then you'd binge. Yeah, it was never really a decision. It was something that was just happening. Okay. And I'd be sort of like halfway through and be like, where is all this? Like, I don't understand. When did I decide to do this? It wasn't a blackout moment. I was present, but I don't ever remember making the decision to eat that much food. Would you go out and buy extra food? Oh, yeah. So would you go out and replace it? Deliveroo was my worst enemy. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. I used to go out and eat lots of fried breakfasts and throw them up. Oh, So how how many did you used to do like three or four Deliveroo? orders I mean is it compulsive like that yeah like I think once I did maybe three wow okay yeah yeah Mm. so the reason I asked that then is because I'm interested to how you suddenly Mm. so you suddenly clicked and you started Mm. to eat normally Mm -hmm. was it because you were all at once resolved that it was an easy thing to do so I don't think it's an easy thing to do I think that it is a thing that you really have to apply yourself to. And you have to be 
so ready to not be doing it anymore. Yeah, that's... That you, you know, you have to really make that definitive decision to be like, I'm putting my energy into this because I can't live this way anymore. Okay. Mm. And at what point did you share it with your partner that you were doing the course? Just before I paid for it. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, babe, I'm spending this amount of money on this thing and it's really going to be good for me. And he was like, great, go for it. Okay. Do it. Yeah. And does he know the full extent to what... He does now. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he does now. And I think really he could probably see it before. I just didn't think he could. Okay. (laughs) I mean, it's just... In, once you once it's in hindsight and you have a bit of where well, you feel a bit recovered, a bit healed, mm. then you can talk about it. Yeah, that's a bit of generalisation, but um, um. So did you did you relapse? Have you relapsed? No, not once. Well, yeah, not that's once. That's amazing. I think that what happens. Um, I have like a very active lifestyle. Okay. Um, I'm always doing a lot of stuff when I'm moving. Yeah. Um, and if I get too tired mm-hmm. and I still have things that I need to go and do, what I will do is rather than being able to shut down and rest is I might have a bigger meal than I really need because okay. I'm like, where am I going to get the energy from? But it's nothing, it's nowhere near a binge. It's just like having a bigger lunch. Yeah. And that's sort of the extent that it really goes to. So your feelings of shame and self-disgust... Mm. Have they popped up anywhere else? Yes. Um, I now think, that you don't have an outlet, do you see what I'm asking? Yeah, so they are. They do still come up, but I think what I'm discovering now is that it's really very much linked to the sort of trauma that I still have left over from when my mum was ill and passed away. Okay. And it's all kind of mixed up with that a little bit. But it's it's the sort of thing now where I will... You know, we will have those sort of fat days or whatever. We wake yeah. up and it's just a bad body image day. What does a fat day mean to you? When I look in the mirror and I think like, oh, looking a bit chunk. <laughs> but what does that mean? How do you feel? Are you disappointed? Are you um, detached? Are yeah. you... So disappointed in myself. Again, feel like I'm misrepresenting who I am. Okay. And the things that I stand for. Um, but I'm able to now just go... What I look like is none of my business today. Which is the same as you used to do with the modelling. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I'll step away from it for a second, wait for that feeling to pass because I know that's not really me. And then almost every single time, the next morning I wake up and I feel fine. And I'm back to normal body image, yeah. So now you've you've learnt to distract yourself. Mm. So... Did you... Okay, so I had no idea that it was so recent. Mm. Have you found that your work with your clients has changed or you've attracted new clients? Have you yeah. have you branched out? Because I did read that in your introduction. Mm. So I now mm. present myself as completely openly, like this is who I am. Mm-hmm to the world and I don't feel like I have anything, any secret parts of me to hide. Okay. And I think that when you put that energy out into the world mm-hmm. um, and you kind of put your best foot forward for want of a better phrase, yeah. uh, it comes back to you. Um, and I feel like I now have much more self-belief in that I'm willing to go and do hard things, scary things um, to expand my horizon slightly. Okay. Have you attracted different 
clientele with a similar story? I have... Clientele. Interestingly, yeah, no, fancy. But they fancy. I have... Uh, it's probably similar clients to what I had before. Mm-hmm. I think where I've started using a different model of coaching now where I work online sometimes, um, it's that's a slightly different client base. So it'll be generally slightly younger clients, girls around my own sort of age, um, and slightly younger. Okay. But the clients I have one-on-one will be slightly older um, and in a different phase of life, I think. So it's not necessarily different clients that I train in the gym, but it's different clients that I have online. Are you coaching online? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I'm just reading what your introduction said, and Mm -hmm. you're a nutrition coach. Mm -hmm. Um, So how is that? So someone comes to you, Mm. and you train them physically on a one-to-one basis, and then they get all the rest of it? Yeah, so the the nutrition coaching um, is something... I've done a couple of nutrition qualifications, um, and it's always something that I just add on to the service that I give as a trainer. Mm -hmm. So um, all of the time, (laughs) training works better if you make your diet line up with that. Um, But how that works for each person is very different. So I have one client at the moment who, I'm sure she won't mind me saying, I won't mention her name, um, has a history of bulimia as well. Yeah, I was going to ask you what what you do when people come to you. Yeah, so she at the moment is... um, She's actually getting married too, which is lovely. But she would like to lose a little bit of weight, which is a completely normal thing to do. And it is completely possible to want to lose weight and still love who you are and how you look as a person and just Mm -hmm. change that. But what we do with her instead is rather than saying, okay, let's eat less food, it's changing slightly what she focuses on. So I'm like, okay, let's have a little bit more protein in each of your meals which makes you feel fuller, Mm -hmm. which means that you don't go for as many calories because you get more full from those calories. And then what we've done is just increased a little bit the exercise that she does outside. And that's just a slightly higher step count per day. Or she's actually started running, which is something she never thought she'd do. So I love that for her. Interesting though, must Mm. be for both of you. It's a balance. Tip over the edge. Yeah, so I said to her when we started, I'm very, very happy to help you. And I'm sure we can do this. But the rule is you are completely open, honest with me and you tell your therapist that we're doing this as well. Uh, And the second that it starts to tip and go the wrong way, we stop. Okay. And she's been very honest about that because once she she felt it starting to go. Yeah. So she told her therapist and she told me and we went, okay, we're just training because we want to be strong now. Okay. And that's it. Um, You're much younger than me, so... You have a different generation around you. What's your take on eating disorders in women? And let's do let's do kind of women your age, mm-hmm. a bit younger. My... What do you think they're about? Oh gosh, I, I think that it is such a wide spectrum. I think that they are a coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. Oh, almost couldn't say that word. <laughs> coping mechanism <laughs> yeah. um, for an awful lot of things. I don't think, well, I think they are rarely, really about how you look. Um, For myself, I can tell you that the times when I've 
had eat, had disordered eating or eating disorders has always been because there's something else wrong in my life. <laughs> but when the... when the, We're going to have to have a, take a little break in a minute. Fine. When the boys said to you... Mm that you didn't look the right way. There mm. wasn't anything going on in your life, was there? No, it was, but I don't think I ever felt really comfortable in that town. Ah, uh, you told I me that. I don't think I really felt like I fitted in. Okay. At all. I always felt like I was a little bit aside. Okay. Or outside. Okay. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, we'll be back in a moment. Okie doke. Welcome back to This Food Thing Podcast. I'm here with Lizzie Ackerley. And during the break... I said to Lizzie that I didn't want to talk about her grief. Well, no, I said I did want to talk about her grief. <laughs> but I didn't want to be too personal and upset her. And she's very bravely said that she will talk about it and also talk about her PTSD, which I'm presuming is from your mum's passing. Yes. And then she told me about a little thing that happened this week. Because um, I'm struck by how you've been able to com compartmentalise your recovery. Mm. It's in sections. Mm. And it's very neat. <laughs> Doesn't feel very neat. <laughs> <laughs> it's very neat. I'm in awe. It's so neat. Um, and I'm interested in the, yeah, just in the grief and the feelings that get stuffed down with food or get thrown up mm. or, you know, all that stuff we're dealing with. Mm -hmm. And so you were telling me about you were on some... Zoom call. You yes. can take it up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what? I was on a group Zoom call with um, a sort of coaching thing that I'm doing at the moment um, mm. for fitness professionals. And I had mentioned to my coach in the week, earlier in the week, that it would be good to know what my minimal effective dose was for the work that we were doing on a daily basis. Because and what does that mean, minimal effective like dose? What, what, what's the minimal amount of work I can do to keep things ticking over, ticking over and moving forward? Okay. But really taking the pressure off myself. So what is a few little things that I can get done? Okay. That keep it moving forward, but take away all the extra stuff so I can cope with it a bit better. Sure. And my reason for that was that I have a predisposition to getting burnt out a little bit easier than most people would. It's like because? My, um, because well, it's something that happens sometimes if you have PTSD and that you just hit that threshold a bit before everyone else. Um, it's Do you know like, it's coming? I can feel it coming a little bit, yeah. What does so it feel I, like? Like I get, it's like there isn't a single bit of energy left in any one of my cells. Uh. And that's the first thing that goes. And I'll be lying on the sofa and think at like three o'clock in the afternoon before I head back into afternoon clients. And I think, why have I got no energy? Wow. Today is no different than any other day. Uh huh. Um, and it's like, it kind of comes out of nowhere. Or I start getting like a sore throat. Uh, um, and it's really physical symptoms of just being really run down. Okay. Um, and uh, my coach asked me where the burnout was coming from. And I said, what's well, a symptom of my PTSD? And then he asked me just in front of the whole group yeah. what my PTSD was from. And when I explained to him that it was from my mum passing away and being ill before she passed away, I completely lost it in a way that I haven't really before. Wow. What happened? I got very, very cold uh -huh. um, and had to wrap a blanket around me and was shivering and shaking and my jaw was chattering and banging and I was just trying to hold it together and not really, really sob through the rest of the call. Wow. Um, and once we'd finished that call, I kind of managed to hold it together 
um, or get it back together um, and finish the call. And afterwards, I thought I have to go somewhere. So I threw the dogs in the car and took them up to Hampstead Heath for a walk mm-hmm. and phoned my boy- boyfriend to tell him what was going on, fiance, sorry, um, and lost it again. And I was sitting on the side of Parliament Hill and it was like I was not in my body. I was talking to him and I was suddenly talking very, very fast and then I couldn't breathe and then I was tired and I went, I think I'm losing it and just sat down on the floor and bawled. Did you? And the poor guy did not see it coming. He was about to go into work with a different client um, and had to really put it together after I got off the phone to him, I think. But that release was huge, huge. Was it cathartic? I think so, yeah. Did you feel better? Massively. I've had so much more energy the past couple of days. How interesting. Since that came out, yeah. It sounds like a, I don't know, I'm sure someone could say what it was, but it sounds like a cellular dump or cellular release or your whole body just... Yeah, just let go of something. and then letting go. Mm. And did you... When you were crying, mm. were you in your body? Did you come back into your body? Yes. Yeah, yeah. As soon as I start, as soon as I sat down and just started crying, I was very much back in myself again. Did you feel full? No, I just felt like I was there. Ah. Mm. It's interesting, isn't it? The sore throat, the chattering, mm. all around the the throat, the mm. throat chakra, and communication. Yeah. Everything unsaid, yeah. stuffed in, stuffed in, stuffed in. Yeah. And our body holds the, you know, that great book, Our Body Holds the Score, our mm-hmm. body holds the trauma. Yeah. And it's layered, isn't it? And I think also what happens is that those events, if you want to, yeah, those events occur when, you, when you're ready for it. Yes, I think so. So it wasn't completely destabilising, was it? No, 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 not at all. Mm-mm. And I imagine it would have been unthinkable for you to have lost it on the Zoom call completely. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that poor group. They were so nice when I texted them to apologise for it afterwards. Why did you apologise? Well, then? because I felt like I didn't want to take up their time. No. <laughs> Crying. <laughs> um, but no, they were lovely about it. Um, I, yeah, I did have a good old cry on the call, but my, my coach was great. He sort of let me have a second and move on and spoke to me about it on the side afterwards. Um, so I kind of lost it a little bit on the call, but then really let it go afterwards. Okay, that's mm. very interesting. Um, yeah, and just I've just suddenly uh, when your mum passed, mm-hmm. were you binge eating then? No, it was afterwards. Yeah. It was a result of that. Of course, yeah. it was. Yeah. And I guess now that you're not binge eating, mm-hmm. you can sort of let her go in a different way. Yeah. Say goodbye differently. Yeah, definitely. I would te- like to think so. Yeah. Like the, I'm just thinking of the sort of terror and panic of being apart from your mum, whoever your mum is. Mm-hmm. It's immense, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And it's, it goes way back. Yeah, for sure. And then your mum's not there. Yeah. It's, yeah, it was huge. Well, it's huge. I think what was, um, what really knocked me is that my mum, so my mum had dementia. Oh, did she? Okay. Quite young. Um, so she was going for a few years. Um, But I think never once throughout that whole process did I think she was going to die. It just didn't occur to me. Wow. Until one day my dad called me back and she said, and said, you need to come home. And then I was like, what? Like it just hadn't occurred to me that was going to happen. Wow. Mm. 
So maybe when you were on Hampstead Heath, you were in shock. Mm. How interesting. Yeah. How interesting. Well, good for you. Thank you. Do you feel dramatically different since your Hampstead Heath moment? I don't think that I feel dramatically different because, it, again, it's kind of... I feel lighter. I definitely feel lighter. And I feel... It actually occurred to me while I was... I carried on walking after that. It was, again, that feeling of... There's me, there's today Lizzie, who is quite outgoing and has all of these goals and energy and things that I want to do and is quite positive. And then there's this other bit of me that seems to be stuck with a foot in concrete or mm -hmm. quicksand or something. Mm -hmm. And I think that what it feels like now a little bit is that foot is wiggling <laughs> and it's kind of coming free a little bit. So it's not that I don't, I don't really feel different. I just feel like I'm going the way that I want to go now. Yeah. And maybe more resilient and more able to deal with stuff the next time it comes up. Absolutely, yeah. I think that's the thing that I, when you look back on all of these things that happen in your life and everybody has their things, right? Um, I realise how resilient it's made me. So we started off talking about the fact that food was faux and mm -hmm. I've spent ages on it, mm -hmm. which is actually more about me than about you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm imagining now it's become much more of a friend. Oh, completely, yeah. Can you sort of outline your relationship with it a little bit in a positive yeah. way? So, um, food is delicious. <laughs> right. Um, because you don't taste it. When you're binging, you don't taste food, oh, you, do you? It could be anything that you're eating when you binge. Exactly. It doesn't matter what it tastes like. Yeah. It's just getting it in. Yeah. Food is lovely. Um, food is fun to cook with people. So you cook? And to spend time doing. I do cook a little bit less now than I'd like to because I've got loads of time, mm -hmm. but I do enjoy cooking. Mm -hmm. um, and I enjoy cooking with uh, Aidan as well, with my other half. Okay. Um, that's lots of fun. But also, food is fuel. It doesn't... It's okay sometimes to have a meal through the day that doesn't set your life on fire that just ticks the boxes for what you need to get you through mm -hmm. and I think that being able to have those meals and mm -hmm. have those meals as well that you love and that you put time and care into is a really important balance to strike what do you like eating in company or in a restaurant or oh, fine. loads of people around yeah, you yeah yeah interestingly enough I've never found that difficult have you not no never struggled with it okay um I've always been able to be in company with other people and just have what I need or what I want from you that man, leave it aside. So I would have been that person, but also I would have been in the kitchen mm. eating all the leftovers. Yes, While that. no one was looking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> pretending, maybe I should just get another dish and bring it in. I'd be like... <laughs> <laughs> Face down in it. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> no, well, that's very interesting. So you would do that as well. You would eat well in public and then go... Oh, yeah. 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 Okay, mm. okay. Um, I mean, yes, it's... Again, it's like that compartmentalization of food is lovely mm. and food is fuel mm. and food is delicious. Mm -hmm. But you've obviously found a way to manage it. Yeah. Do you like to feed other people? Do you enjoy the yes. act? Of I like um, making other people happy with it. It's like I really like giving people presents because I love seeing their reaction when they open them. Okay. Um, it's the same thing I feel when you give somebody a nice meal. Okay. Mm. If you were on an, an island, mm. 
doesn't matter where you are, a desert island or mm -hmm. a cold island weather, what five foods would you take with you? Oh, God. Um, oh, this sounds so... Can I swear? I'll get it bleeped out. <laughs> this sounds so health <laughs> but... Um, I have to get it bleeped out because of apple. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a little health <laughs> but uh, raw chocolate okay. is one of them. Oh, it's so delicious. Uh -huh. um, you can be a health what else? Okay, great. <laughs> uh, coffee. Okay. Always coffee. How do you take your coffee? Mm, it depends. First one in the morning, I have it black. Mm -hmm. Second one of the day is like a flat white. Okay. With oat milk. Mm -hmm. Again, health. Yeah. God's sake. Yeah. Um, what else do I love? Fish. I really like fish. Okay, so you've got raw chocolate, you've got coffee, you've got fish, you've got two other things that you can take with you. Raspberries. Yep. And, oh, that's hard. What's the last one? Roast potatoes. Fantastic. <laughs> Delicious with raspberries. Such a good combo. <laughs> Fantastic. Lizzie, thank you very much. Of course. Thank you for having me. You've been me. very honest and open. And, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, thank you so much for coming on this Food Thing podcast. Thanks for listening. I'd love to know your favourite bit from this episode. Let me know on Instagram at This Food Thing Podcast or join us again in the next episode.